Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hundle's Web3 Waffles. And today I am very excited to be with um, Terry Spitaro, um, who has been a creative in the digital space since the 80s, apparently. Um, you've been working on many different projects, um, and I'm really excited just to hear about your journey so far, uh, particularly the work that you're doing around AI and in that space as well. I think it's very timely to be having a conversation about that and the, the impact that it has. Um, but first off, Welcome. Uh, it's a Scott, to have you thank today. you so much. And I appreciate Hondo giving me an opportunity to tell my story and tell a story about AI. I think that'll be a lot of fun. It's terrific to meet you. Likewise, it's fantastic to meet you. I've been watching your work for a while, so I'm very excited for this podcast. Um, but I've always used to start with, I mean, can you tell us a bit about your journey so far and how you got to doing what oh you're doing? Oh my God, well, my journey is a very long one. So I'll try to give you the abbreviated version. I've been an artist. Um, I studied art, uh, for, uh, went to school for art, <laughs> um, got really involved yeah. in the digital creation of art back in the 80s, as you mentioned. Um, from there, got involved with the internet um, very early on, and it was all about the website development and the creative, being a creative yep. director and stuff like that. So this, for me, is just a natural progression of technology. So to fast forward, I, I guess I'm filling a few blanks, um, had an agency, sold my agency early on. Um, went to work for a number of large, well-known um, advertising agencies, including Ogilvy and then Burst and Marcel. I stayed with in WPP for a while. Um, but now I, uh, I've been doing this investigation back into the world of AI. I think when I initially started, I had, like everyone else, this, this fear that AI is going to take away my job. You know, we're all going to be out of work or hanging yeah. out in hammocks, drinking, you know, lemonade, as we saw on um, uh, one of those great sci-fi shows um, or um, movies. Um, and I think what turned out to be fear, it, it turned out to be my fear, and I... I always like head the fear like straight up and, and forward and try to figure out why am I afraid of this. So I did a ton of investigation, written about a, a lot of things on the, the business side of AI. And now I've come full circle where I'm like, okay, let me see what this partnership with AI is in the creative realm and does that work? So far for me, it's working. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> that's really good to hear. Yeah, fantastic journey. Yeah, fantastic journey. Um, I mean, AI is absolutely fantastic. And I think there's, there's some really interesting avenues we can go down when we think about AI and AI creativity. Um, and you mentioned there you had nervousness or you had yes. almost like a fear, you know, of, of stepping into it. Can you talk through what your fears were and, you know, how you kind of alleviated those fears as you started to sure. experiment? Sure. Um, initially, my fear was, like everyone else, um, it's going to take yeah. away jobs, right? I think, you know, businesses yeah. try to find ways to minimize their costs and putting AI in place could actually help with that. It's automation, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And then yeah. as I investigated all the more, there was other fears like, oh my God, it's going to rule the world and you go down the whole Skynet route and I'm like, wow, that is such a weird fear, but let me, let me look into that. And then when... Yeah. Um, uh, things like GAN, uh, generative adversarial networks, and CAN, the creative adversarial network, started to open up. 
I thought, well, let me see what it's like. I'm a creative. Let me see how this works and and get involved with it so I can understand where my fear lies or if it's real, if my fear is actually real. And what I found when I'm working with it, I, I feel more like the conductor, the creative director, the orchestrator, yeah. you know, of what I'm creating. And the AI is not a living, thinking, breathing thing. It's a service. It's a tool. Yeah. So it's how we use our tools. So I, I, I think that that's a way of looking at it, or that's how I alleviated my fear around it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I love the concept <laughs> of Skynet actually being an artist to start with, and then it's just evolved into a consciousness off the back of that. Um, I think it's really interesting your point actually about it being like a director. Um, I was having this debate recently with somebody about you know, are you an AI artist if you're using AI? And I think it often depends on how you use it. Because um, when I, I love play experiments with AI, um, AI art, but I feel, I do feel like I'm a director. I'm commissioning an AI to do something for me. I'm feeding back, I'm giving it a steer, I'm giving it a direction, but it's doing the work. So I do feel more like a conductor or a director than I necessarily do an artist. Right, which, which is, is great, because I eliminated the term, I'm, I'm trying to remove the term artist from my profile and calling myself yeah. more of a creator because a creator is the conductor, it's the manager, it's the overseer of what your tools are doing for you. So um, it's really interesting. It is, it is. And what are your thoughts on, you know, the opportunities that this will bring for the creative I think space? we're going to see a whole new, and we're already seeing it, a whole new exciting way of creating. I have now seen in, in the world, yeah. in the NFT world that I live in, um, a lot of people are, are doing graphic novels. So I love that idea of using the AI as an instrument to design these stories that you want to tell and, and put them out there. And I'm actually going to be working, I, I'm uh, about a quarter of the way finished with my first graphic novel, putting it together. But I think this does give you an oh, opportunity to, again, explore and experiment. So I think a business that's looking for a creator that can put together concepts fairly quickly or like, you know, the visionary has an idea but can't quite visualize it himself or herself, they can actually go to the creator and I don't even know what that that new um, job description will be. But that person is the prompt engineer of taking that vision and making it into a visual format. So, and and I've seen other uses. Like I've seen some architects that are using uh, like Mid Journey to create like these amazing architectural structures that they're trying to figure out, uh, can we actually adapt these to a physical structure in the real world? So there's a lot of things. Oh, that is, <laughs> yeah. In some respects, it's somewhat mind-bending that mid-journey could be creating actual <laughs> physical structures. Um, there's something quite fascinating about it going down that AI. route. And I guess AI must have had quite a significant difference on just like your process and how you've worked and how you've evolved the way that you think about your creativity over the years. I mean, can you talk a bit about how oh it is? Oh my God, actually, um, I'm not even sure if I've, I think I've evolved in the way I use my tools, but not in the way I think about creativity. Yeah. I'm still looking for composition. I'm still looking for saturation and shadows and, 
um, how 3D forms come into place, how perspective actually works. Um, somebody was had a great comment on Twitter about foreshortening uh, on the human figure. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I think AI has resolved that issue for me because I remember having to draw that out as an illustrator and, <laughs> and the problems you have with that. But I think it also allows me to envision compositions a lot faster and the tools that I'm using. So I'm multidisciplinary in my AI, um, but also yeah. I'm bringing in like the, the typical tools like Photoshop because if I don't like the shadows or the depth or anything else that's going on in the image, I will change it. So I, I could tell you a little bit about the tools that I've been using. Okay. I think that should be fantastic. I think a lot of our listeners are, you know, quite often quite early on in their journey with space. So, you know, hearing about some of the nuts and bolts is actually so really So my first foray into um, creating, using AI was with Playform. And I loved using Playform yeah. because what it did was allow me to use my photographic images and watch as the AI is unfolding and taking them and learning, learning about the light that I like, the textures that I like, the colors that I like, and then bringing it together in a whole new unique image. So, and I, I love that process. And at any point in time, you could stop the process and say, this is, you know, this is where I want to go with this. Um, they just recently added um, prompts, so the ability to do type in your prompt and work with it. So I'm, I'm wondering about yeah. variations, and I'm wondering if they'll add in the ability to work with my images to create prompts from that. So I, on Playform, I have a, a huge library of my own personal photos that I've been using. So that would be interesting to see how that a that algorithm is understanding and learning and bringing other parts into it. So Playform is one tool. I also have been learning and using uh, Google Colabs in relationship with Disco Diffusion. Yep. So I'm getting through the image generation on that. And my next step, and I did have a great lesson from a partner, Lucid Dreamer, uh, on creating um, the animation portion of it. So I am learning, I, and it will be sort of slow because I want to get that to the point where you're gliding through an image instead of like something sort of awkward happening. Um, and other tools, I did get my um, acceptance into using Dolly 2, Mid Journey, Stable Diffusion. Um, I can't remember the rest. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite but, all right. That's quite um, there right. are um, these are the visual uh, algorithms, but there are um, other algorithms that I use, such as um, writing AI tools um, that I really like, and music AI tools. Yeah. So. Um, Our music AI tools. That's something I've not touched too much yet, and I think that that's going to be fascinating as well when music and sound is being driven yeah, by AI as well. Yeah, you could try it with, there's um, an application called eCreate, which is an interesting uh, algorithm. They have a, a larger, they call it our big brother. <laughs> um, for people who are more advanced, <laughs> I have zero musical talent. I know what I like, you know, and I have a little bit understanding of like tone and things like that, but not a whole lot. And I've been able to make these great little bumpers um, for my um, videos that I created using AI. Yeah. Okay, cool. So th 
There were a lot of different yeah, things. Cool. <laughs> I'll definitely try that. Um, yeah, I just have my Dolly two beta approval you through did? literally <laughs> yesterday, so I've not not really. I did, yeah. So I've not had a proper play with it yet. Oh, you're going to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I know that's what I fear. That's what I fear. That's given me disappeared for a long time. Um, I would also be really fascinated to get your thoughts on, obviously there's all these tools that are available. You know, what are your thoughts on how it makes it more accessible to people and more, how it really unlocks creativity into a wider oh group of God, people? Oh my God, that, I'm going to talk about that in a couple of different ways. One, I love the idea that it does open up to um, anybody who wants to be creative, right? So as long as they could write the right prompts, they won't get frustrated and get back the the results that they're looking for. Um, Okay, so I know there are going to be a ton of people that are jumping on and they're going to be super enthusiastic. But I think the ones that stay the true creators are going to stay with it for a very long time. And then I'm thinking about um, the value these tools will bring to our older generations. Like I taught my mom how to use, yeah. my mother, how to use Wombo. And um, and it's because like um, oh, wow. she's in her 80s and she's having problems with um, arthritis and it's really bad. And my mom loves to paint, but she can't always paint because her arthritis flares up so badly that she can't move her hands. So I, I thought, well, this might be fun for her to at least have a form of creative expression. So I taught her how to use it, and she's been downloading Wombo cards. And she's, she said to me the other day, she goes, when I feel better, I'm going to actually paint what's on the card, but make it better. <laughs> so, um, you know, those are some ways. I mean, I think even, you know, entrepreneurs who are trying to envision, like, you know, what their product might look like to could use word prompts yeah. to create things. I think that's a, a, a good way of using it. So I think we're going to see people like running, you know, madly towards it because it's going to be a lot of fun. People that are going to stay with it, the real creators, and people that are going to use it to transform themselves if they're unable to physically do the art that they really love to do. I think that's fascinating, actually, the entire concept of, um, you know, it really does make it accessible to anybody. You know, you it's not just a case the concept, it's not just about actually having the skill, but if you physically can't hold a pen or you can't hold a paintbrush, um, it opens it up to through text prompts. You could easily speak and that would be turned into text prompts. And arguably, even if you can't speak, if you can if you could somehow communicate with a, with a computer, you could start to do things that would otherwise be totally inaccessible to you. Um, it's actually an angle of it and not considered too much before, but I think that's really fascinating, the opportunities there, just to give people that expression that may just exactly. not be able to. Oh, my God. You brought up something in- that just, you know, a light bulb went off. Even art therapy, this might be a new form of it. Yeah, I was thinking similar, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's wide open right now. I think we're going to see a lot of transformation in the products that are out there. A lot of additions to it. I mean, some of the the um, the um, generative adversarial networks may be adding video to it, like Flayform has video already integrated. Um, yeah. I know Google Colabs, like the the uh, the notebooks, are a little bit complicated if if you're not used to looking at like um, sort of form based solutions, right, or, or platforms. So not yeah. pretty, but I love using it. So, 
But as you say, I think that some of them may not be the prettiest. And even things like Mid Journey, it's really easy to get into once you're into it. But it's still there's still a certain barrier of entry if you've never used Discord before or if you don't know how prompts work. But again, we're very much at the beginning of that. Right, journey. exactly. Mid Journey has a very particular way of, of um, being used, right? You have to be on Discord, right? And, um, yeah. you know, being in the public Discord and having your prompts and your images show up is a li- could be a little disconcerting. So I pay for mine to get the bot access. Because <laughs> I, I kind of like, I'm still on. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, yeah I did the same. I'm still one of those artists that still likes, you know, my closed studio a little bit. And, like, until I'm finished, like, creating, I'm not going to put it out there. Absolutely. I mean, 98%, Absolutely. I mean, 98% of what I do on there is frankly <laughs> rubbish. So it's, it's, it, it takes a lot of time to, before you get to something you're quite happy to actually share. So I was quite happy to pay a few dollars just to be able to do exactly. it in a Exactly. Oh, Scott, I'd love to see your work. I think that'd be great. Yeah. I'll have to share some of it. I'll definitely share some. Um, you actually touched on something interesting that we were talking through that. Um, you mentioned like the video, you know, video starting to become a play in there. We've already talked about music very briefly. Putting your technologies hat on and your futurist hat, you know, how do you see this evolving in the future? You know, where will we be in a few years' time? I am so with? hoping, and I'm seeing little hints of it, that um, creators using AI will be creating like the meta their metaverses based on like i have this whole like book that i wrote called laundry gate i want to bring that to life in a metaverse but so i'm slowly using um the different ai tools to create what i think my um different stories in laundry gate would look like so the characters the stories and everything because i think it would be fun to uh like everybody talks about neil stevens's snow crash but my book that i love by stevenson yeah. is diamond age and diamond age is about bringing the story to actual life and participating in that story and that's where i see like the intersection of like how we're creating using ai in the metaverse and storytelling all coming together like a world that i can actually interact with characters and be a part of that story and yeah. invite my friends in to be part of that story as well but not in a game playing format but more a part of the you know evolving that narrative so that story is always changing yeah yeah you're you're creating effectively yes. theater is it? it's it's about creating theater it's about creating theater that you're you are directing but then the the ai is starting to help exactly. it evolve and grow. oh my god you bring up a like in real life example of that i got to um a good friend of mine scott stores invited me to see fear no more in manhattan and it's an experiment yeah. experiential theater right it's an experiment experiential um way of getting involved with what was going on with that play and and i think like when i i got to experience that like oh gosh several years ago maybe it's a decade ago (laughs) um uh it just makes me think that's where we're headed that's where we're going i can imagine yeah i can imagine um, and you can start to see how you know, AI tools to help develop the storylines, AI tools that are actually learning about the behavior of people yes. in the experiences and then adapting it and how you could start to actually you know, set the parameters of the stage of which you're working on. But then over time, it grows into something maybe beyond what you exactly. actually do. Exactly. Though there, I do caution about 
um, like maybe I'm just old fashioned, but I like the walking the 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 parallel between in real life and in metaverse. I want for me, I think I might get yeah. sucked too far into the metaverse and never come back out, or you know, and I think other people may have that experience well as well but maybe that's our own human evolution you know speaking about you know futurism maybe that is our evolution absolutely <laughs> absolutely i mean there's many you know many sci-fi genres that talk about that intersection of you know consciousness on the, both the human physical level and also within the digital level um and at some point you know, we get to a point where, you know, our avatar that's in the metaverse is actually us and we can leave it to do things that it, when we're not there. And then you start to question where you end and it begins and things get very, very confusing. Very, very much quickly. so. <laughs> but that's a whole different deep rabbit hole. Um, you mentioned there as well about your, about writing. Um, and I know you are a writer as well as being a, an artist as well. Uh, can you talk a bit about, you know, your, your so, work as an author? Um, my key work as an author is this, um, science fiction novel called, uh, Laundry Gate, Strange Stories About the Future. It was originally written as short stories, but I knew like volume two and three would tie all the stories together. So, um, I wanted to deal with, a lot of different themes and mostly from a more feminine or feminist perspective. So the heroines are all female. Um, technology is developed by women um, or females um, and really um, play around with just different themes like death and dying, um, like love and um, between species. Um, there, the other themes are like how technology can, oh, we just talked about metaverse being sucked into it, but um, there's a theme about like how like technology can take over and maybe it misbehaves. Maybe it does something like you're in the middle of a meeting and all of a sudden things start to happen in front of your eyes and you can't really discern from what is real and what isn't real while you're in there, right? And then, you know, I also dealt with like things like this. We always talk about time travel and science fiction does such a just a, amazing job of time travel, but the realism around that is it may never happen. But in a way, our digital history is like time traveling, right? So we could go backwards in time, but we also may be able to go forward in time on our creations and how our creations are transcendent into the metaverse, right? So that's, those are the themes that I was dealing with and wanted to put forth in Laundry Gate. Other things that I wrote are, are these interesting picture books. Like, um, my very first AI picture book is Sky Dreams. And it's a poem that I wrote, oh, many, many years ago about that childhood game where you you just lay down in the grass and it just feels so good and you're looking up at the sky and you're imagining different things. And that book, um, the illustrations in that book are done by Playform. So it was great to be able to pull through right. um, a style that I like and, and really evolve it and make it into this picture book. So, and I am, and I, I think I might have alluded to it, um, is I am working on, on the book called uh, Creators Using AI. So I really want to, and that will be a more, 
I don't want to call it a business book, a professional book, so that we have sort of the, the early creators like um, paying a tribute to them and what they've done and how they're doing it and a bunch of essays like the one that I wrote for Compro um, and several others. So I'm getting the AI community together so that they can put forth some work in their in their essay on how their work um, comes about. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Imagine that that'll yeah, be a good when it comes be. about. Yeah. I guess could you imagine a world in the future where you're um you're giving prompts to help write the book as well? You know, does AI start to actually oh help my God. you become a Oh, okay. <laughs> it, in a way, it's kind of already doing that. There's a couple of GPT threes yeah. out there that are really strong and um, have done a fantastic job of helping helping authors. Uh, with ideas and structuring those ideas so that, you know, if I write a simple sentence like, you know, girl running down the street screaming because Martian is chasing her, you know, it can evolve yeah. that into like there were screams, blood curdling screams being heard and, you know, a figure is coming down the street. We're not quite sure what it is and getting into the dynamics of what will happen. So that, that would be really interesting. And I, I'd be curious to see what comes out of that. So that would be, I guess in some respects we're, we're there. I mean, I use Grammarly to help me write, which is helping me structure <laughs> grammatically. And it's, it's that first step towards it's trying to understand what I'm writing. So it's trying to help improve it. So it's that first right, step. You know, it. um, try copy AI and then Okay. Yeah, definitely try copy AI, and then uh, you you have to fact check certain things. So if you're writing something professional, and you use you know you say something like oh Steve Jobs blah blah blah, make sure you fact check it. Sometimes it, it they do. I don't want to uh, apply a persona, but sometimes comical things <laughs> happen in the writing part of it. So, um, but definitely do some fact checking or what I do is I bring it into Grammarly and look at it and then run it through plagiarism and then rewrite, have yeah. it rewrite some of the context, um, that wasn't perfect, uh, from copy AI. I'll definitely give that a go. I'll definitely give it a go. And actually plagiarism reminds me of a conversation we were having on emails just beforehand. Um, and you raised a really interesting case of somebody winning an art competition through a piece of AI work, um, which I thought was not exactly plagiarism, but it does kind of open up that notion of cheating or that notion of do, when does AI become cheating or when is it not cheating or when is it art, when is it not art? And I just thought that was a, a fascinating debate to have. Right. I, don't, I didn't see the winner of the Colorado State Fair contest as a cheater. I saw that person as a creator mm. and a creator that had to in he I read a little bit there's um I think some engineers interviewed him and I think he said he did like a yeah. hundred um variations of his piece of artwork. It wasn't like he was mm. like, Oh here it is you know? Yeah. Right, that and is that's hot. That's because I already right. spent forty hours on it and that's that's a lot of time to spend on a piece of it, a piece of creative and his thought and direction it, went into that. Exactly. But I think so we're seeing, um, folks, I feel like this is back in the 80s when I was 
just beginning to use digital tools and then I was originally using digital dark room and then um, transferred over to Adobe Photoshop or it was Photoshop before and I remember yeah. doing these gorgeous pieces actually you can't see them but I, I still have them on the wall um, and going into art galleries and, 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 and actually being very honest about like I did this and I, I did it in Photoshop and they're like yeah. no way your, your, your stuff is not art and that was like you know, crushing to me. So I kind of put it aside and just stuck with the commercialization of using the tools yeah. and never did fine arts again up until these past couple of years. So, um, but I, it's amazing it how history is. repeats itself, isn't it? I know it's every time there's a new step in technology from when photography exactly. first came around and it was going to put all portrait artists out of work to Photoshop comes along and it puts everybody else out of work. And, Actually, it's just an evolution. It's a new tool. There's a pushback from certain people, but fundamentally, if that piece of artwork was good enough to win the competition, it was a yeah, fantastic piece of artwork. Yeah, it is a beautiful piece of artwork. It, it really is. It's well it lit. Is, yeah. There's a lot of drama happening in it, um, not just from you know the, the thematic of it, but um, the shadows are correct, the lighting is correct, the color is consistent there's no like blips in the color i mean you and saturation is all there i mean it is well constructed um but you you brought up an interesting thing about the camera i mean uh, i think you know people didn't believe that uh, a photo is a piece of art because basically a machine you know you're just clicking a button and and there you go but you know, exactly. photography is highly complex. It it takes not only, you know, the integration of human with the machine, but also, you know, the human having to figure out, like, you know, different um, lenses and use of light and measuring all that and stuff like that. It's yeah. very complicated. So, and, and even with the process of doing stuff with AI, it is very complicated. We're not, you know, prompt engineering, you know, takes a lot, you know, your first iteration is not always the best iteration that you get so <laughs> almost certainly never almost certainly never I, I actually see a lot of parallels with photography because photography as you say it's an interface that interface is a very physical interface but you there's a lot of settings that you have to get in place there's certain understandings of optics that you need in order to get the best shot there's lighting there's composition yes you could get an amazing picture just by pointing your camera and hitting go and hoping for the best but in reality, that very rarely happens, and there's so much goes into a good photo, you know, a good photo, and there's thousands of bad ones before you get to that one good one. And you've learned how to get to it, and I see that being very close to what we do with AI right now is there's a piece of there's a piece of software with a lot of settings to it, and you could just point it in any direction, and the chances of getting something good are possible but very low. And you've got to learn it. You've got to learn the composition. You've got to learn what looks good, what looks bad. You've got to learn how to give it the right type of feedback, what types of prompts work well for it. And I see the, the, the huge crossover between the sort of the two. Um, and, you know, neither will ever replace what was there beforehand. It just adds to it and it helps it grow. Exactly. I, I think it really does help grow. And I've even seen in our, the AI community or the AI creator community that I belong to, like I remember like, um, you know, certain pieces that some of the creators had you know six months ago ten months ago and their transformation and how much more intricate 
they have gotten with their work and the beauty of that evolution it, it's pretty amazing um, but the the Colorado State Fair uh, raised some controversy which is great I'm hoping judges will be open and I hope I'm hoping these um, on you know the entries like you know other competitions in which uh, AI artists or creators are entering into um, are, are open or at least the rules you know are clear on what can and cannot be entered and things like that but I'm hoping it doesn't shut things down so yeah I agree I agree and I think I said and certainly the articles I read about it is that if if there's very clear rules that says you can or can't do something for a particular type of competition I think that's absolutely fine as you say if it starts to shut down that entirely then I think that is a big shame. But at the same time, I think there's a big enough community in AI for it to have its own space as well. Um, but as you say, you know, if you, you when you first you know submitted work into a gallery and they said you'd use Photoshop, if you're transparent about it and you're transparent about your process, this is an oil painting, this is an AI-generated painting, then it should be fine because you've got everyone's going into eyes wide on because there's different categories. You know, you could have totally totally AI-driven versus totally physical versus a combination exactly. of the two. Um, and I think that, you know, and if you're in that space, then I, yeah, I don't see why it should ever cause controversy. If somebody cheats and somebody claims it's something when it isn't, then fair enough. Um, but even then it's so fantastic. It really is. <laughs> so I think, um, you know, uh, advice I give for anybody getting involved, any new creators, it's have a purpose, like learn your tools, ex do a yeah. lot of experimentation, but, but always have a, you know, a purpose. I, I try to do purposeful creation um where there's always a reason for for, for creating it whether it's yeah. you know clothing or or books or products or things like that yeah. and when you're if for instance you're let's say you're doing clothing you know what is your what's your thought process on it are you are you are you sketching out ideas beforehand? You know, I think back to your very traditional way, sketching out ideas. Are you going straight into prompts? Are you going into photography first? And then what, how, what's your kind of, what's your creative process to start taking those ideas? And so start interestingly, I look at the design of the, the, um, the, the clothing, the, the shape that I want to work for. Yeah. Um, and I'm also looking at a number of different things. So, for the, the stuff that I do in fashion and accessories, I like to drive it more towards where um, technology meets environment. You know, the natural meets the, yeah. the uh, you know, technological, right? So I'm always yeah. working towards that. And uh, my process starts with thinking thematically. Okay, so I've, I've done a number of things with with flowers, but they're AI generated flowers and they're complex. And I also want to add things like symbolic meaning. So it's like sacred geometry adds yeah. to it so that it flows. I think, you know, when I design something, it has to have some kind of flow to it. Um, so that that's partially the process or, or at least the thinking part. In terms of sketching, I'll I'll do a, a lot of iterations based on like the need of that piece of clothing. Um, I also bring things into Photoshop because I want to make sure the shape is yeah. fitting um, or the design is fitting of the shape so that it works and it flows yeah. and, and there's um, a, a way of, of looking at it that makes sense. So it's not just like, 
you know, slapping on a piece of art onto, um, you know, a piece of clothing. So that's, that's what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And just, just iterating it from there and sort of, sort of moving it on. Um, and I guess really final question for me is, um, you're, you're obviously very prolific in terms of creating <gasps> NFTs as well. Um, and uh, that side of it, and obviously taking your, taking your art into, into that side of the space, um, sort of away from the AI side, you know, how do you see the, you know, the evolution of NFTs and the, the impact they can have, you know, for creators like Oh, I'm like really excited about the utility between the digital NFT and the physical world. So I'm trying to find out, find ways of making that more easier. So if I, um, for instance, um, Sky Dreams. So when I, I put Sky Dreams out, yeah. I wasn't sure if I wanted to do a PDF and, and make it into an NFT. So I did it more as, um, uh, what is it? Um, uh, spoken word with AI music in the background and, and let it go. Um, but I'm now rethinking like for Laundry Gate, I'm going to add like cards to stimulate the audience who, who really loves Laundry Gate and, and wants to like have a relationship with the characters. And I think I'll make a special card for those people who want first access to the book, the physical book. So I think that's an exciting way, at least for me, of bridging that those two worlds together. There are other things that I see um, NFT artists doing, and that's creating membership with their NFTs. It's very exciting. Though I do want to say uh, one little thing about AI. We just finished up um, for uh, Test Town. So I'm a co-founder of the community Test Town, and we just had this fantastic science fiction event where the creators were creating towards science fiction. But the majority of the work um, that the judges chose, and we had some great judges. I think you know Tom Lombardo, maybe Mark Jeffrey, and Lewis Cap was AI yeah. uh, creative work, which I thought was really fascinating. So um, I think we are seeing a great marketplace for the world of um, AI creations on NFTs. But I also think that there, I like the fact that we can bring utility into there. And that's the future. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think, um, you know, the utility has to help bring you and your audience closer together, I think is one fantastic, you know, give people some access to stuff. I'm also, I'm also fascinated by how, you know, the metadata within an NFT as well can be dynamic and actually how if there's an AI component to that as well, it can evolve and morph and grow over time and how you can, you can, you can start to bring an external force to it as well, which kind of lets it, lets it grow above and beyond. Exactly. Oh, that's really interesting. Are you talking about things like adding those invisible QR codes? Like when you get a NFT? Yeah. 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 So being able to add like either invisible QR codes, you can, uh, you know, access, um, you know, you, you can access things through using that or even having the, yeah, yeah, the metadata, maybe the metadata yeah, helps create the, the NFT itself. Oh, some fantastic oh. things where um, there's been like almost like procedural generated NFTs um, and there's a, there's a piece of animation that comes with it. But the, the starting point for the procedural animation 
you know, is driven by um, uh, some set metadata, which can evolve and be changed. Um, and then, you know, if you join two of them together, so if you have two of them in your wallet, then actually changes the output of the art. I love that idea. Um, I know um, yeah. Playform um, has um, what they call ArtMine. So what they did was they took all okay. of my, um, uh, I call it um, flower magic. So it's on Polygon. It's it's uh, art mine, and you can actually, instead of selecting an NFT, you can actually randomly generate an NFT. But I do love the magic behind oh, cool. what you're talking about is like this piece of art um, and this piece of art come together and form a new piece of art. I like that. Yeah, you can imagine, you know, it, it, as you just described there, you know, you generate something randomly and generate something else randomly, but then if you have two or three of them together, then they'll just combine and create something else because you're adding together the underlying metadata, which then creates a second piece of art. So you can then have, or even third, fourth, fifth, you know, you could start to, you could start to grow exponentially from I, there. I think um, the GAN generators should look into that because that would be really awesome because then there would be consistency between... A, a really nice refined consistency for artists that are going stylistically into AI. Um, so if I have, you know, uh, uh, talking about uh, characters in a book, I want to make sure that there's a consistent yeah. style. So so maybe that instead of like the variations that they, they give us, maybe the variations are created by the existing images that I've already generated so that there is like, uh, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> a better story. Yeah. That's being <laughs> yeah. So you absolutely. So then you're always starting from the same story. But actually that's, that, that's a very interesting point actually. So when you are creating, when you are creating something like a storybook and you do want that consistency between exactly. all the different frames and by its very nature, AI tends to come up, there's a relative amount of randomness in terms of the output that you get. How are you keeping things? You know, how are you maintaining that consistency and that style and that, that kind of tone throughout? Or is it, or is it actually quite fluid and it changes and evolves? So on um, Journey, I've heard a couple of the um, creators using AI for mid journey got a little frustrated when, whenever they tweak the algorithm so they lose their style and then they have to yeah. start all over again but i'm thinking that um something like um google collabs disco diffusion you can actually create um a yeah. notebook with your style prompts okay right? so that will keep but it, it requires like so this is another thing that um you know anyone that wants to get into creating using AI, they may want to look into understanding Python or at least learning a little bit about it so that they yeah. can create their own notebooks. I, at this point, I'm not, I, I signed up and then I start to learn it and then I kind of, it's not fast enough. I'm not getting it fast enough, but other people I think will get it really quickly. It's not that complicated of a language. And I know some of the AI creators that are studying Python specifically so that they can create their own notebooks for that style that they yeah. want. And I, well, that makes absolute sense because well, then you, you own that style, you can evolve that style yourself and you're less at the mercy of, as you say, how the algorithm changes or how that evolves, which evolves very fast in this space. Once the AIs are growing. You know, exponentially they push it out new release yes. every few weeks and it's it can that quite significantly change the output. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious, how are you liking Dolly too? Say I've um I've only just got access and so far um 
I've done a few, I've played around with a few experiments with it. Um, and it's been, it's been quite interesting. I like the, the level of control you have in terms of being able to select areas to be able to re-render is quite interesting. Um, although I've come up with some very, I say oddball effects so far. So I'm kind of at the beginning of the journey with it where I'm starting to learn out, you know, the best way of, the best way of really getting something <laughs> sensible out of it. Um, but I do, I can see the potential of it. You know, it's definitely a huge potential. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm curious to, uh, it's a question that I want to bring up in my book. How are you thinking about your relationship with these tools? Are they just tools or are, are they collaborations or I don't want to put words in <laughs> I really good question. I, I went into it thinking they were tools. So I went into it thinking this is a, imagine this is like a Photoshop plugin. You know, so I that's that was my starting point. I think I think about it very differently now. It's because it's particularly if you're using something like Midjourney or you're using something where you're 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 having a, like this ongoing dialogue with this with this AI. And I know it's not a real dialogue you're having, but you're still you can't you're adding a prompt or you're suggesting an edit or you're you know you're refactoring something. Um, and it does feel more like an ongoing dialogue. So it does feel more like a collaboration between me and this AI, you know, I, I could almost imagine if you could, if, you know, if the developers put on a, you know, a friendly face on the front of it and a voice interface, I could talk to it. I could imagine a relationship with this AI where I'm having a conversation saying, can you draw this for me? Actually, can you tweak this bit? And it becomes very much like the relationships I've had with people who have worked within teams. You know, my, my background originally, I was a designer, um, you know, a, a product designer. And so I've worked collaboratively with people before and it feels very much like working with other designers rather than working with a tool. And I know that might sound ridiculous because it's an interface, but it, that's, that's the kind of feel it gets. And it feels like it is on that road to being a conversation I'm having with this interface, which is then, which is then creating something interesting. Um, so I no longer think about it as a uh, very interesting, right? Yeah. Because there is more of an intimacy between, um, between you and the, 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 the prompt generation part of it. Whereas Photoshop, you're like, it's always like here to like whatever tool you're using to, to create. So I did hear yeah. rumors and maybe I'm wrong that I thought it, Adobe was going to try to incorporate some AI methods or algorithms yeah i believe they are i believe they are i don't know if they've done already or if they um but I, yeah i mean it makes it makes sense for them to do so um i think what's really interesting there is that you know with photoshop photoshop does exactly what i tell it right. or you know any if you're using a design tool it does exactly what i tell just like i have a pen in my hand it will do exactly <laughs> what i tell it to do because i'm the one telling it to do it um, as the AI brings something else to the table, you know, it says, I, I took on board what you said and I came up with this and that this thing that I came up with is based on the sum of all of human knowledge, which I have access to. And that you told me that you want a painting of a, a dolphin <laughs> flying through space, right? Whatever it may be. Um, and here we go. Here's my viewpoint of what that might be and my interpretation as an AI of what that means. And here's a few different examples, which are very different. And unlike one of those tools, which will just do what I told me, there's no way I would necessarily, the image I have in my head could be very different from what it outputs. Uh, I might be more specific and I might start to tell it one in a certain style, but there's that, that serpentipity and that, you know, that, that the happy accidents of what it creates are actually really, really fascinating. Um, you know, in a way that you don't get with some of those, you know, you would get with a Photoshop. Now if Photoshop had something like AI to it. I guess that's really interesting because then you start to get that mix of the two together. Um, and that makes a lot of sense, but I think 
it's it's definitely it really a is i i i'm hoping adobe does take that on and offers like iterations <laughs> of what you're doing it'll make you know that would be yeah. a, an extremely powerful tool so um and, and and very fascinating it and it's 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 your background is interesting in a way that i think some product designers have are taking some of those i found i saw some of those interesting mid-journey pieces where it's um what do i want to call steampunk pieces that look like jewelry and are trying to get them created right. into actual pieces of jewelry i i think that's really fascinating on how they're thinking about it and they're using it so um so i think you know right at this point in time it's yeah, wide open and it's fun and it's great to be at the beginning of things absolutely absolutely it's a very exciting time <laughs> to be in with it um well thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today that hour was actually flown by um so it was uh, but I, i've got a feeling we could talk about this space for um for some time because there's a lot going on but uh, do you have anything interesting projects or anything you'd like to give a shout out to? Well, actually, you've mentioned several while we've been talking, but anything you want to give a particular shout out to? I, I know you, I, I'm not sure if you just saw my flying doll, my space dolphins. <laughs> so I'm doing a whole series on space dolphins for just because it's fun. <laughs> and I'm thinking about, yeah, I'm doing like, because really? it's fun. And I, I think uh, people will get it. They can relate better than the more complicated AI things that are doing or science fiction things that I'm pulling through. Um, so uh, that is uh, just a fun project to work on. But um, yeah, I think I mentioned a couple like um, continuing the writing on the volume two of Laundry Gate, um, adding character cards so that people can actually relate to the characters and and the images or the, the scenes that are in my head and having something visual for them to take away with it. Um, the a, creating uh, creators using AI book, um, which I, I'm working on with Lucid Dreamer, and inviting like other uh, AI creators to contribute contribute to it. Um, still doing the fashion things and accessories and and stuff like that, and in different products, and just doing my my regular work on top of it all. <laughs> I keep busy. I don't know. I, you know, I do get up super early. I'm a 5 a.m. riser. I start doing things at that point in time, and I do go to bed early. Surprisingly, I'm in bed by 9 p.m., <laughs> but it's a full day. It sounds like a full day. You're certainly keeping it busy. So, but thank you, Scott. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I hope we can continue offline at some point in time. I want to see your work. So... Definitely. We should definitely keep this conversation going offline. Um, thank you very much for joining the podcast. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, and thank you to everyone for listening in. Um, if you want to find any more about us Hundo, uh, check out hundo.xyz. And in the show notes as well, we'll link out to all the great um, services and tools and everything that you mentioned during this. But thank you very much.